This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. Welcome to your next step, and it's Friday, so that means that we're going to take some time to have a conversation. We always try to unpack what we're learning with the Word of God. We try to unpack how to apply the principles of Scripture and life so that we can really make it happen. And today we have a special guest. We have Jessica Peck, Dr. Jessica Peck. She's actually a pediatric nurse. She's a mother. She calls herself the Dr. Nurse Mama. That's not me, okay? She's here, and she's going to talk with Jennifer to just talk about how we can talk to our kids. She's written a book. It's called Behind Closed Doors. She wants to help us have the conversation with our kids privately about the things that are going on in our world so that we can really be good, godly parents and know what's going on in our kids' world. See, the pressures young people face today are so much greater than in the past. So Jennifer sat down with this Baylor University professor and her new book, Behind Closed Doors. So don't go anywhere. Continue to listen to Your Next Step because you're going to be really encouraged by the conversation between Jessica Peck and our very own Jennifer Jackson. Dr. Jessica Peck, welcome to the show. Oh, Jennifer, thank you so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to chatting with your listeners today. It's, it's going to be very beneficial. And your handle, I guess, is Dr. Nurse Mama. Is that correct? <laughs> That's right. That is my professor brain, my hands-on nursing experience, and my heart as a mom I've created as a guide on the side to walk with families through challenging seasons. And you actually have, as the mama part, you have four children yourself. I do. Four mm. teenagers at one time, <laughs> 19, 17, 15, and 13. So I am living, breathing, sleeping, eating all things teens, both personally and professionally, and I wouldn't change it for a second. Well, we, we really need a, a prayer ministry, don't we? And I think you even <laughs> talk about prayer in your book when you have four teens at home. Oh, you're a praying mama. That's right. That's exactly what I talked about because, you know, this whole journey for me started when my oldest became 13. I thought, you know, I was a pediatric nurse practitioner. I was kind of prepared. I was so not prepared. And, and I was coming from a broken relationship with my mother and some, you know, generational trauma and a history of broken relationships. And we were driving down the street one day, myself and my daughter, who was 13, she was in the backseat. We were having a recurrent argument, and mm. she threw a book at my head while I was driving. Mm. I'm talking a four-volume book. This was commitment, you know. This was intentional. Wow. And I pulled over, and I remember doing, in that moment, the most important thing I've learned to do as a mom now. And I did. I prayed. Yeah. And I just said, God, give us, a, give us a new way. Give us a new path. Show me how to do this. And now she's 19, and we have a great relationship, and I really want to share that journey with other moms out there who are hurting and thinking, oh, I'm just in the trenches, and, and I don't see hope. I want to tell those moms, there is hope. 
there is hope for healthy relationships. Mm. What, what were some of those traumas that you experienced as a child? Well, you know, I'm really grateful that I grew up in a, in a Christian home and a, with a legacy of faith, but we just did not have good relationship dynamics. And there was, um, a, our home was just very quiet and had a culture of silence on issues that mattered. And, and, you know, was very focused on what we should do and how we should look rather than our hearts. And so that just led to a lot of broken relationships on the oldest of five and mm. actually didn't have any contact with any of my siblings for almost 20 years. Mm. And, uh, and that, that was just a really difficult thing going forward. And I think there's not one woman listening who can't identify with some sort yeah. of broken relationship that you want desperately to be fixed and you pray about and you try so hard and you think you do all of the right things. And yet it's just, the gap is not mended. And uh, that is still, you know, where I am today with my parents and thinking, how do I raise kids when I don't have a relationship or a model to follow at all? Uh, that, that can be very difficult. And even for a family like mine that looked perfect on the outside, we were certainly far from perfect. And, you know, the addiction runs in my family and all of the things that come along with that. And I really have been on a journey of hope and healing from that for, for the last 20 years. And God has been faithful. That's what I've learned in all of that is that God has been faithful. And I think about Cece Winans' song, The Goodness of God. <laughs> One day we were talking, at, we were singing that song and I was thinking about the lyric, all my life, you've been faithful. And I thought, wow, if you really mean that, saying that can be hard to do. But yeah, all my life, God has been faithful in the good and the bad and the beautiful and the ugly and you know, the, the mundane and the miraculous. God has been faithful to continue to write my story. I think we could be friends because Cece Winans <laughs> is my absolute favorite. I think I've worn out her latest album, the one she did during coronavirus. Believe, or, believe for it. Absolutely. Oh, Cece, you know, God has oh. been faithful. And I think about, you know, just like you, you are pioneering with your kids. Many of us are pioneering or with our kids. And, and it's almost like, walking through the dark on eggshells. How do we know what to do with the teenagers? I would like to just list a few of the chapter headings and maybe we could talk about some of these issues. You talk about mental health for teens, uh, social media, cyberbullying, uh, even substance abuse, sexting, all of these things. We're just uh, is it is it just me or does it seem like we've had an avalanche of uh, assault against our teenagers in the recent years? Oh, an absolute avalanche. I mean, an all-out perfect storm. And it is overwhelming for us as parents. I, I remember my daughter early in her teen years telling me there was no way I could possibly understand the challenges she was facing because I was born in, quote, literally the previous century <laughs> and she was right you know she was right but in a way it just seems such a world away and we look at things and as parents I believe we're the first generation of parents who is facing such a significant sea change in parenting and guiding our children through things we just simply did not experience that did not exist when we were growing up we didn't have to worry about vaping or 
pornography like mm-hmm. it is today or social justice or gender identity issues or even, you know, fentanyl crisis and all of these things. It just seems like every day there's something new that's coming to threaten our teens. But here is the good news. Mm-hmm. Our kids are need us. They need our old, our old school skills to partner with their new fresh world perspective. Because we know how to have those in-person social interactions, and our teens don't, especially those impacted by COVID, who are isolated and just interacting in online environments. They can have anxiety going and being in real-person environments, and we can lead them in that way and show them how to have those in-person relationship skills, which are just so important. And we also know from research that the main predictor of a, of a child being re- resilient and being able to overcome adversity is a meaningful connection to one adult. And we have the amazing privilege as moms to choose if that person is going to be us. And I want to give moms practical, tangible communication skills to be able to do just that, to build a healthy relationship with their team. Well, why don't we start with like the most basic questions? I I know there's some parents listening right now and they're like, okay, I don't even know how to monitor all the online that's Mm -hmm. monitoring almost seems a thing of the Mm -hmm. past. How do you speak into monitoring social media or monitoring devices? Is that even possible anymore? You know, I don't think it is possible. And I honestly have never really adopted that. I hear a lot about gatekeeping these days and adopting that as a style of parenting, which when our kids are young, that's really important for us to protect them from anything that might come their way. But as they become teens, we really need to be their coach. There is no way we can possibly anticipate any threat that will come up on social media because there's always something new. And it's all about relationships and opening that door to communication. A lot of parents are afraid to expose their kids to something that they haven't been exposed to before because they think, you know, we don't want to expose our kids to things that are that are are so scary and dark. But we know that living in today is a reality that they are likely at some point to be exposed to some of these things. So intentionally exposing them in a developmentally appropriate way positions you as the expert and most importantly, it opens the door to conversation. Now, when you talk about these things, you know, when I talk with my kids about sexting or pornography, they do not say, <laughs> oh, mom, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I appreciate you <laughs> equipping me. No, uh, it goes more like, oh, my gosh, mom. No, oh, no, I don't want, no, I don't want to talk about that. Mom. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They come to me later and they'll say, remember that thing we talked about? I have an awkward question, and that is really important. And so for parents who don't know where to start, who are thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't even know where to start, this is what I would say. It is a complete myth that teens do not care about what you think or that they want to be with their friends or that their friends are a greater influence than you are. That is absolutely 100% not true. Your teens care very much what you think about them. And more importantly, they believe you when you talk about them and when you say things about them, they believe you. And the second thing I would say is that if you don't know what to say, then just listen. 
just a couple of weeks ago, I helped host a suicide prevention event in my community. And I had one table for the parents with post-it notes all over it and one table for the teens. And it was what I wish I could say to my parents and what I wish I could say to my teens. Oh, that's good. And as I walked by the table where the teens had written what I wish I could say to my parents, I want you to picture this eight-foot-long picnic table, basically, covered in post-it notes with one word on it. Mm. And that one word was listen. And that's what they wanted, listen. They recognize you can't fix everything, but they just want to listen and they want to feel heard. They do need to be listened to. You know, you talked about gatekeeping is not necessarily the most helpful method, but coaching is. So is listening part of coaching or are there other things that you actively pour into them as that coach? I think listening is part of being a good coach. And, you know, it's interesting because when you listen to Gen Z vernacular, they use gatekeep as a really negative indicator, which is just typical, right? I mean, we've (laughs) always had angst in the teen years. I mean, you think about Rebel Without a Cause from how long ago. You know, there's always going to be stories about that. But as a coach, really, you start off as a teacher, right? You teach your kids how to tie their shoes, how to cross the street safely, how to eat their vegetables. And then when you transition into coach, you want to make sure that practice environment is safe, that it's safe for them to fail, that it's safe for them to try, that you know what the boundaries are of what they can do. You make them repeat skills when they need to. You push them to go further when you know they're ready. You celebrate their victories. You learn from their defeats, and you just champion them. That's one of the things kids want from parents the most. They want to know that you believe in them, even before they believe in themselves. They want to see that in your eyes. So many times teens will have specific struggles. They'll have seasons of struggle. Maybe they're struggling with um, laziness or disrespect or, um, or they're struggling with some sexual sin or something like that. So often as parents, we can generalize that to their character. And say, why are you always so this? And why do you have to do that? And that struggle becomes their identity. And as parents, we can reframe that and say, you are a great kid who is struggling with this. How can I help you overcome this struggle so that you can reach your full potential? Sometimes we just don't even realize, you know, that we're doing it because we're just as frustrated as they are. But by validating their feelings and by really listening to where they are, we can meet them at that point of need. Because if you want to influence your teen's worldview, you have to view the world as they see it. Hmm. They see it so differently than we do. How, how do they see it? And when you're listening and they share something completely shocking or against your worldview, how do you absorb that without letting it show on your face? Oh, that is such a great question, Jennifer. And you know, that's exactly where I meet families behind closed doors in my clinic. Nobody ever expects to be there. I'm seeing families who are blindsided by these issues, and it's always really heartbreaking. And the thing that they share in common is they've just never imagined themselves in that place. So I think mm-hmm. as Christian parents, we have to recognize we absolutely want the best for our kids. But if you just look at the statistics and the numbers, 
our kids are going to mess up. Mm -hmm. They're going to make a mistake. You have to, as a parent, put yourself in that position before it happens. You have to allow yourself to imagine the unimaginable. Mm. And if you don't, you're just going to be at the mercy of your emotions. And usually that first emotion we feel is anger. We're not really angry at our kids. We're angry that something has threatened to derail their future. We're angry that the enemy has come in and attacked them and been successful. And that's where we need to redirect that anger. So if you're if you're listening and you're mm-hmm. thinking, This is my teen, I want you to I want you to think through this scenario and practice saying something like this. If you find out something that your teen is doing that's upsetting, then just say that. Say this news is really upsetting, and I think we should let our emotions calm down a little bit before we talk about it. But I want you to know, no matter what, I love you no matter what, and we will find a way through this together. That response can literally redirect the trajectory of your entire te- of your team's entire life. And that's a pretty heavy, weighty responsibility for us to have. But it doesn't mean that there won't be consequences and that you won't walk through seasons of discipline and and things like that but it just means that you start with emphasizing that you love them and that you see hope for their future is there hope when they've made these mistakes have you seen situations turn around i have i have seen situations where they have and i'm really honest i see situations where it doesn't and Sometimes that can be really, really difficult for parents. And so if you're listening out there, I want you to know it is not your fault. And we are, we have a perfect father in God, and we are imperfect children. And yet here we are as imperfect parents with imperfect children. And so we have to remember that there is a door for grace. But I, I do see a lot of teens who struggle with something, who are arrested for vaping or a lot of teens who engage in sexting or self-harming behaviors or other struggles. And I do see them recover from that and move on to really use that season of struggle in their life to help other people. And something good comes out of that because we do serve a God who restores, who makes all things new, who makes beauty from ashes, and who always gives us hope. One of my favorite verses is from Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, Mm. we are not consumed. His compassions never fail, and His mercies are new every morning. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, once a year or once a season or once in a lifetime. God knows that we need His mercy every single day. And God has compassion for the hurt that families are enduring, and we need to have compassion for ourselves. Oh, we absolutely do. I would I would love to just take a moment and and walk out one of the scenarios you you choose whether it's, you know, sexting or an eating disorder. L- let's walk that through. How could you help a parent when they've discovered specifically this is what my teen is involved in? How, what does it look like now? Where do we go from here? Sure. And really, you know, Parents could fill in the blank. They could choose any of these scenarios because the response really should be always the same. So the first thing that I would tell parents to do is to decide now who is your village, who is your support team, who are those people that you trust, 
that you can share with because we know that uh, research tells us 81% of Americans rely on Google for information searches, but only 16% will talk to a trusted friend about a problem they're having. Now, something is wrong if we won't talk to a trusted friend, but we're confident enough to rely on our Google search to Mm. solve our parenting issue. And so a lot of times when something like this happens, fill in the blank, any of these situations, we don't tell anyone. And we may Google our way through it, seeing like, what should I do about this? And some of that is we don't want to expose our teen to more shame and stigma. We want to protect their dignity. We don't want people to judge them. But some of that, and this is, oh, this is really tough to say, yeah. but some of that is even subconsciously, sometimes we don't want people to know because we think that is going to reflect on us as a parent. And we're more afraid sometimes of social injuries falling from our pedestal than we are the threat of physical harm and death that's staring us right in the face. So I would say in these situations, you cannot walk through these things alone. You need spiritual counsel. You need a healthcare provider that you trust with your life. You need uh, other adults in their life that are going to support them and love them no matter what. If you cultivate that team before anything happens, when something like this happens, you can just pull in that team immediately and they can surround you and give you strength to go on. And then the, the things that you have to walk through in these circumstances are the first thing after you think about your team, affirming your unconditional love and affirming your team for your team, these circumstances often have criminal implications. Mm-hmm. And that is a really hard thing for parents. I mean, I've had students who have been arrested for possessing vaping paraphernalia or been charged as a sex offender for sexting. We need to say, okay, there's something not right. I'm going to take, we're going to make an appointment and just make sure that everything is okay and make sure that they are living at their healthiest. And then just give them hope, you know, for a way forward. We know that families with faith traditions have teens who are less likely to engage in risk-taking behaviors. And the best way that you can influence your teen's faith is to make your own faith authentic. Teens value authenticity so much. And if they see that authentically living out in your life, that it's everything to you, they are going to adopt that too. And that's going to be their best hope for a way forward out of whatever challenging scenario that this is. And I think as we walk through that, you have to acknowledge that often these aren't things you can sweep under the rug. This Mm -hmm. is a significant trauma and you may need counseling. You may need um, a psychologist to walk alongside you to address that trauma. But the good news is when teens have brains that are very easily rewired and they're neuroplastic, and so if we have the courage to have those interventions early, you're really setting your team up for a meaningful recovery. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. Now is a great time for us just to stop and pray. You know, we've been thinking about God and His Word, but it's it's no good if we don't apply it. So let's take a moment and let's pray. Let's invite God into the situation. I think this would be a good time for us to stop and pray for our military and their commanders. 
Most of us, we don't think about the military every day unless we have a family member there. So we want to stop today. We want to think about the military and our commanders, Lord. It, it doesn't matter if they're in the, the Army or the Air Force or the Navy or the Marines or the Coast Guard, Lord. These individuals are taking and standing in a difficult spot. And this is what we know, God. You understand what it means to be a commander. You understand what it means to be a soldier. You use those analogies, Jesus. David, he was a man after your heart, and he understood what it was to to stand on the wall and to go into battle and to to carry a sword and to, to stand up against evil. And so, Lord, we're praying that they would have wisdom, that they would have peace and a security that comes from their identity in you. We're praying that they would not engage unless you directed them. We're praying that they would not go to battle unless they had sought you first. May we not be like like Israel that tried to do it in their own strength and type. No, Lord, we want to be like David who sought you and that you directed him. Lord, we know that evil exists in this world and it must be stood against or else it will prevail. And so we choose to say, give our military wisdom on where to stand, how to stand, and to take the stand. And God, I pray that our nation would support the men and women that are serving in that way. And Lord, we thank you for all that have already given their life. And we pray that that no one would have to give their life today. If there's any way for that to be avoided, may they, may they be spared. May they all come home to their family and God help their family. We're praying for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in Jesus' name. Thank you for praying with me. You know, as a pastor, as, as your pastor, I want you to know one of the most powerful things you can do and I can do is pray together. And I'd like for you to begin to join me in prayer every day. And so we've created a free prayer guide, but you have to go to our website, yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and you can download the ebook. It's for you, but it's also to begin to grow in prayer. It's the best thing that'll ever happen to you. Go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your prayer guide today. This has been Your Next Step a ministry of The Church Next Door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for your next step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at The Church Next Door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. 
Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY, 1-833-38-STORY, or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.